Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Come on, there'll be a special reward. You made it happen today. God's not going to disappoint. All right, give three or four people a high five. Grab your seat. Just tell people how lucky they are to sit by you today. Worship team, you guys are phenomenal. Take a break. We'll have you back up here in a minute. Okay. It's one of my favorite Sundays. It's one of my favorite Sundays. You should have one of these. I want you to not be sitting on it, okay? So first, check that. Your pen might be open, too, so you don't want an ink stain. That only happens to me when I have white pants. Every time I wear white pants, it's communion, and I sit on one of those cups every time. My dry cleaner is like, why? Why do you have grape juice on your back pocket every single time you bring these pants in? Grab your vision card. Don't be sitting on it. Have it on your lap. Have your pen ready, because as I preach, as God gives you vision for your life, God gives you vision for what he wants in 2024, God asks you, what do you want? I'll go there in a minute. But God's going to ask you, what do you want in 2024? You're like, oh, is that in the Bible? Yeah, we're going to get there in one second. But have this card out, and let's take today serious. I'm telling you, the names I have wrote on that bottom line, I have seen the miraculous happen. I have seen the miraculous happen. The things I have wrote on these top lines, I have seen the miraculous happen time and time again. Come on, I put down that Rich Bogle would get saved this year, and I know it's going to happen. I know it. I know it's going to happen. Maybe today. Maybe today. All right. Pastor Alex, what a great uh, tithe and offering message. You're such a gift. I don't appreciate you empowering wives when my wife is being particularly feisty today. But what? Just kidding, babe. She's a little feisty today. It's the awakened way, man. We got strong women. Strong, powerful women. If you're over there licking your wounds, she'll just say, get up, suck it up, buttercup. Okay? It's true. I'm thankful. You're an amazing wife, babe. All right, here we go. Uh, the title of my message, which, as I said, I was road trip yesterday, so the media team did not get, but you can imagine it's behind me, is the posture of kingdom vision. The posture of kingdom vision. I'm going to read a couple scriptures to you, and they're going to make sense in a minute, okay? I want to start in John chapter 15. This is one of my favorite passages of scriptures in the whole Bible. Every time I read that chapter, I get something profound out of it. But I want to start at verse 5 through 8. We're going to go to the big iPad up here. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. Say withered to your neighbor. That word's going to be important. 
Come on, we're not going into 2023 with withered vision, withered sight, withered belief. And if you came in here today and you feel like your faith and trust in God is a little withered, my prayer and my belief is at the end of the day, you are not going to be wavering or withering, but you are gonna be flourishing and believing, okay? Why? Because I love the next verse. Get ready. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Stop. Full stop. Jesus said that. It rattles religion. Because religion says, it's not what you want. It's just what we say you need to have. It just says, it's just what the rules say. How dare you believe that God wants to partner with your desires? But on Vision Sunday, we actually believe that God wants to empower the God desires in you. Listen, the devil can't create. So most of your desires, even if they are uh, the direction or how you see that foregoing might be off of God's standard, they actually at the root are core because the devil can't create, he can only pervert. So you might, you, you, God made you with dreams and desires that are from him from the very knitting of you together. God, I want, to be influ- I want to have influence in my sphere. I want to be successful. That's a God dream. The devil doesn't make that. The devil wants to make you selfish and greedy to, get, to think you get that. He might want you to get your ego puffed up and be prideful, but success is a good thing, and it comes from the Lord. It's what the Bible says. Okay, I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to keep pushing. Some people, you got to break that off. God wants you to flourish. Jesus said, I came to give life and life abundantly. The devil's the one that steals, kills, and destroys the dreams God's putting you. You say, man, I, I want to I be loved. Devil, devil didn't create that. God made that in you. But the devil can pervert that desire. You can go looking for all the love in all the wrong places, right? Make your life a country song if you want. But... But the desire to be loved is actually from the Lord. So I want us to get in the posture of kingdom vision and recognize that God wants to hear what are the desires in your heart because I want to partner with you in them. If you abide in me and and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Next verse real quick. By this, the Father is glorified. Look, the father's glorified when the kids are doing and, and achieving and doing well. Every parent knows this. When my kids kick any other kids' butt at soccer, I'm like, yep, I'm their dad. Yeah, let's go. Okay? Like, I, when, you, when your kids are doing, every good father wants their kids to do well. Okay? And God's so abundant that, you know what? We can all do well. And it's amazing that success begets more success. Who's on the other end of you being blessed? Who's on the other end of you starting that business that God's been telling you to start and now you have seven or eight employees that now can feed their kids and provide and buy a house because you started the thing. Your success on the other end is blessing for other people. Okay, this is, the father gets glorified that you bear much fruit so you'll be my disciples. Now, I said to you earlier to hit your neighbor when we talked about the branch that's not connected that's withered. Now I want to read a story in 1 Kings. And guys, we're going to start at verse 4. I gave you a few other verses, but start at verse 4. Let me context this real quick. It's going to make sense, I promise. Right now it's not, but it will, okay? There's a king. He's not a good king. He's come after David and after Solomon. 
And he has, now the kingdom, Israel has split into two kingdoms, and he controls one of the kingdoms. And he has allowed idolatry, um, idolatry, and he has lowered God's standards to enter the house of God. Okay, those are the creeps that as in human nature, when we lose the power and the trust in God, you'll see those things creep in. We start to worship engraved idols, things that look spiritual and holy, instead of have a relationship with our God. Wow. We'll worship, you'll start to see people rubbing beads in prayer instead of going to their Abba Father in prayer. You begin to see people do ritualistic things. So he has allowed idolatry, and he's lowered the standard. God said that in the temple, the Levites would be the priests, and he's just said, ah, anyone can be a priest, doesn't matter. And you don't even have to worship the God of the Bible. You can just, whatever. Yeah, you worship this God, you worship that God, come on in, it's no big deal. In the name of tolerance, he's lost all potency and power in the house of God. Okay? We'll get on that in a minute. But so we pick up right here. So God sends a prophet to say, hey, man, you ain't doing right. You're doing it wrong to King Jer- Jer- Jeroboam. And uh, he says, to show you that you're off this altar, that you're doing this idolatry on, it's going to be split in half and ashes are going to come out of it. And so this is where we pick up the story because I want you guys to see this. So it came to pass when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God, who cried out against the altar in Bethel, that he stretched out his hand from the altar saying, arrest him. Then his hand, which he stretched out towards him, withered so that he could not pull it back to himself. Five and six too. The altar also split apart and ashes poured out from the altar according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. Then the king answered and said to the man of God, uh, please entreat the favor of your Lord, your God, and pray for me that my hand is restored to me. So the man of God entreated to the Lord, and the king's hand was restored to him and became as before. Now I want to go to the New Testament. This is the story that Jesus is pointing to in this miracle when he's talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, okay? Or the Pharisees and the scribes here. So guys, go to uh, Luke 6, verse 6. Now it happened on another Sabbath, also that he entered the synagogue and taught. And a man was there whose right hand was withered. So the scribes and the Pharisees, I want to pause right here just real quick. Scribes and Pharisees, these are two people that Jesus ticked off. Pharisees, we kind of know. They're the religious people. You know the only people that you see Jesus getting mad at are, the, are these people. Right. You never see him get mad at sinners. Yeah. Right. In fact, he was called a friend of sinners. Doesn't mean he condoned the sin. It just meant that he was there. He, he even, when he was confronted one time, why are you always hanging out with these sinners? Jesus looks at the Pharisees and says, doctors aren't for the healthy, for, for the sick. Right. See, Jesus loves people, but he hates this religious junk that the Pharisees are putting on. So he's all, the only time you see Jesus mad is at the, at the religious people, okay? So the Pharisees, now the, now the scribes, they were also religious. However, they worked for Herod, the government. I want to just real t- quick take five seconds, which in preacher's term is two minutes, okay? And 
I want to point something out because you need to see the reality. The spiritual warfare that goes on in the world has not ceased to happen. We still have to press against these spirits. And when you read your Old Testament and you hear about them sacrificing babies to Moab or you hear about, you know, the religious, you hear about these spirits. Listen, those things still exist in the world today and still want to do what they did. It doesn't call, the spirit doesn't call if you call it ball in this century and you call it Planned Parenthood in that century. It still wants to do the same thing. Come on, you can clap for that. It's actually good. This world needs more Christians that clap for truth. That doesn't mean there's zero. You come in here, you came from the world, you've, had, you, you've been to Planned Parenthood. There's not judgment. There is grace and love and forgiveness. But we will not, like King Jeroboam, we will not lower the standard. We'll tell you that God will pull you up and, he, and you have a fresh start and he loves you. And he wants to heal the wounds from the lie that the world told you, okay? And that's how we meet people. By the way, if you're a holy roller that likes to confront people in the parking lot and tell them that they're living in sin and you don't even know their name, stop it. You're not helping. You're not helping. If you're not willing to put the relational equity into people, then you don't have the right to speak into their life, okay? Don't be, don't be that person in this church. We have good connect group leaders who will get to know people, love them, build some trust so that the truth comes with love. Truth absent of love is perceived as abuse. All every time. Let me help some marriages. Unsolicited advice is perceived as abuse. Doesn't mean it is and doesn't mean sometimes you don't have to, you know, but it's a good idea, spouses, when it's time to maybe point something out, ask, hey, can I, can I point something out? Just that, that little thing will do wonders for your marriage. Unsolicited advice is perceived as abuse. Whether or not it is, it just is perceived that way. That's from counseling. You're welcome. I just saved you a lot of money, okay? People pay 150 bucks an hour for what I just gave you, okay? You can go ahead and Venmo me if you want. All right, but <laughs> where was I? Come back. Scribes. Scribes work for the government. So you got religious over here. And you've got government power. The same thing is true too. See, why government didn't like Jesus is because government, and our, forefa- our founding fathers knew this, government craves more power. We'll give you security if you'll give us power. We'll give you welfare if you'll give us power. We'll give you a handout if you give us power. Okay? That's how government works. And so Jesus comes in, and he's wielding power. But he's not manipulating. He's not taking freedom. He's giving freedom, and he has power. He doesn't want to grab power. He seems to be releasing power on people. So the government goes, wait a minute. Is there a way we can control and manipulate that? Because we want the power. So you will find that two completely opposed worldviews will team up against the gospel all the time. This happens. Look at right now. You've got far left wild LGBTQ agendas over here. And they're like, they will partner with extreme Islam against Western values. Why? The spirit's behind them. Because listen, they don't actually coexist well. If these people over here went over to Gaza, you you ain't having a good day there. Because the penalty in Islam is death for living that lifestyle. Yet, you see why. It's a spiritual battle. Truth will be confronted because truth comes with power and the government wants power. And, you know, 
The religion wants control, and Jesus seems to break both of those off of people. Anyways, there you go. That's a great freebie. That's why these people don't like Jesus. So the guy with the right hand, the scribes and the Pharisees watched him closely, not because they wanted to see a miracle, not because they wanted to learn. They watched him closely whether he would heal on the Sabbath that they might find accusation against him. But he knew their thoughts, and he said to the man who had the withered hand, arise, say arise. Arise. Stand here. Say that. Good. And he arose and stood. Good job. When Jesus tells you to do something, great job. That's another freebie right there. When Jesus says do something, do it. So he arose and stood next to Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, I just love it. He's like, okay, God, this, he's calling me out of a crowd. He's probably hiding his hand because it was shameful to have any kind of, uh, you know, disformity. And back then comes up next to Jesus and he's like, what are you going to do? And Jesus goes, all right, I'm just going to preach a message now. Stay here. And he's like, what the heck, man? You know, I just, I, I always like to picture myself in their shoes because he goes back to the Pharisees. And he says this, then Jesus said to them, I'll ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to destroy? And when he had looked around at them all, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he did, and his hand was restored, restored whole as the other. Last verse here, because I just, look at this. But they were filled with rage and discussed with them another with one another, what they might do to Jesus. Listen, darkness can't be compromised with. It rages against the truth. It must be driven out, the Bible says. So we are loving at all times. We are kinder at all times. But like Jeroboam, we are not going to make the mistake of Jeroboam. We will not lower God's standard to accommodate because it will not tolerate. It'll keep wanting more and more and more. You have to celebrate me. You have to celebrate this. You have to do it. No, no, no. We, we love people, but we do not lower the standard of what God says is truth and reality and blesses people and helps people. Okay, so why did I start with the Old Testament and New Testament? Now I want to bring this all together. And what does this have to do with vision cards? Glad you asked. Great, okay? So you have to understand when Jesus did this in the temple on the Sabbath, The Pharisees were very studied. In fact, all of Jewish culture, they knew the story of King Jeroboam. They also know that's the only story in the Bible where you see the example in the Old Testament of a withered hand. Jesus was directly speaking to them, saying, you, what you carry, you are not carrying the right kingdom. See, in Jewish culture, the right hand represented four things. Four things. It first represented provision. Most people are right-handed. Most people, that's their dominant hand. If you're left-handed, don't worry. God loves you. You're no different than us. We accept you, okay? Your golf clubs are wacky, but we accept you, okay? Sky, aren't you lefty on the golf clubs? That's right. And he crushes the golf ball, all right? So there you go. But, but in general, the right hand is the hand that we would hammer with. It's the hand that we work with. It represents being able to make something and provide. It also represents blessing, when a father in Jewish culture, their kids, that was their responsibility to put a blessing on their children. You would lay your right hand and you would pray over them. You would bless them. You would say, here's what God's gonna do. You read your Bible, you see it all. Abraham blesses Isaac. Isaac thinks he's blessing Esau, but he's blessing Jacob. You know, it's the whole thing. Uh, the right hand represents blessing. The right hand represents power. 
God says in his mighty right hand, he wields, it was the power hand. It was the hand that the sword was held in. It represented the power to change things, to shift things. And it represented fellowship. The same hand that I could attack you with when I extend it like this, I'm saying, I'm a friend. My hand's open to you. See, that, that, that hand, and so when Jeroboam's hand dried up, what Jesus is directly telling the Pharisees is you are fakes and phonies. You don't offer people the provision of heaven, that God, that a loving father could take care of you, that a loving father is for you. You put rules and regulations and make them feel disqualified while you stand on your pompous horse and elevate yourself. That's exactly, I mean, that is Jesus word for word. He says, you have, this man represents your theology. It's dried up and withered. You have no provision. You have no blessing. You don't bless the people. You burden the people. You exhaust the people. You stand out on the streets. They literally did this. They stand out on the streets on the Sabbath watching to see if you do anything. If you've ever been to Israel, I love Israel, but the Sabbath is a weird day there. Everything shuts down. I can understand taking a break, but they have some wacky ways that they make sure you don't work. You're not allowed to push a button on the Sabbath. You're not allowed to push a button. So elevators on the, in hotels on the Sabbath, they just stop on every floor and open so you don't have to do this. I don't know where in the Bible this qualified as work. Like, Oh, I'm exhausted. <laughs> if that is a good day's work for you, then we need to reevaluate your worth ethic, okay? Go to DNA. We'll teach you how to be effective. But this, that was, it becomes a burden. They can't turn on light switches. It actually, religion makes what was meant to be a blessing. The Sabbath was meant for man to rest, and we make it a burden. And that's what Jesus is saying. You don't bless the people. You burden the people. And the Father wants to bless your right hand is shriveled, Pharisees. It says you don't have power. You don't have power. Listen, the church was always meant to have power. Amen. The church was, it, it, ooh, uh, anyways, I won't go too hard, but mm, sometimes when I'm feeling crazy, spicy, I, I read scholars and articles, the people that believe that the gifts dried up once the apostles died. And I read that, I'm like, you have to ignore so much of the Bible. You have to, you have to literally. I read articles about people saying tongues wasn't for, it's only for interpretation. If you're not speaking in an audible language, I'm like, you are skipping nine verses in 1 Corinthians 14 and taking the other half of it. And you are literally de deliberately skipping nine verses. When P Paul says, I pray in tongues more than all of you. And it benefits you to do so. But when you're talking to another person, my wife preached on this on Wednesday, so go listen to the podcast. But uh, it drives me crazy. The Bible is meant to point that there is power in the name of Jesus. He still delivers people from demons. He still heals the sick. He still does it. The gospel was never meant to be absent of power. You say, well, I haven't experienced that yet. Come to men's and women's prayer. Get in a connect group. We will teach you how to operate in the power of God. Well, I prayed for somebody once they didn't get healed. Okay, I know, those are mysteries yet, but I'm telling you, you keep doing it, you'll start to see, wow, I'm getting to the point where I'm more surprised when miracles don't happen in our church. I am getting to that point. But it didn't always start like that. I remember reading, I remember reading the Bible on my own, and I was in a church that didn't talk about tongues, and I read about tongues, and I was like, God, I'm down. I didn't know any theology. I'm like, that's cool, I'm down. 
next Sunday in church because I didn't have a lot of religion around that. I didn't know any, I didn't know what not. I didn't have anyone tell me no, yes, anything. I, during worship, I have my hands up and all of a sudden my tongue's going crazy in my mouth and I don't know what's happening. People that have had a lot of teaching and a lot of back and forth on it sometimes have a hard time experiencing power. But listen, God is meant to, op- he, he, the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead is alive in every single believer. And the power comes with the Holy Spirit. For the sign, these signs will follow, not the apostles. Go read Mark 16. These signs will follow the believers. Anyways. Why? Jesus, I get passionate about this because Jesus was passionate about this. Stop offering people a, a God that has no provision, that has no blessing, that has no power. Stop. And stop writing theologies to justify your, your experience. Start stepping into believing this over your experience and be experiencing the power. The last thing, the fellowship. This is so key. God wants to fellowship with you. So as we get ready to do our vision cards, the posture on your vision card, I want you to believe for those four things. God is the provider. God is the blesser. God has power. But here's the important thing. He wants fellowship. I've found this to be true. People write, all right, God has power. He's a provider. Win the lottery. There's no fellowship there. That's just a magic genie. But when you, when you have fellowship where it's like, God, I want to raise up a great business and, be, and, and, and generate massive wealth for your kingdom. Okay, that's going to require a daily fellowship with him. The hands out there. We got to shake hands every day, God, because I got to work with you on that. God's not worried about you making the money, but he wants the fellowship with you. It's his right, it's his strong right hand. It's his strong right hand. So we're gonna be not like the Pharisees in this story. We're gonna be like the guy who got the miracle, the guy with the withered hand. So point number one, for those taking notes that wanna get in first in line in heaven, I think if you take notes in church, what it is, you, we all get to go to heaven if we believe in Jesus, but if you took notes, you get like a fast pass. <laughs> you know, like at Disneyland, you're like, oh, you get it right on in there. Anyway, so there's no theology behind that. It's just my thought. Okay. So Jesus approaches the man with the wither hand, the first command he gives. He gives him three commands. And these are where, as we get ready to write our vision cards, I want you to, just like that man, step into the supernatural right now. So the first thing he says, stand up. Stand up. What's that mean for us? It means break off a victim or passiveness mindset. God doesn't speak victim. That's why we do shredder before vision. Because we don't want you to be a victim to 2023. Well, it didn't work out in 20. Okay, well, it's gone. It's in the past. Listen, God will allow us. And in fact, the, one of the names for the Holy Spirit is the counselor. So I talk to God about my ish. I do. There are days I, you know, I pull out the cheese because gonna, we're going to have some wine, me and God together, okay? There are days I do that. But I know that this is not changing anything I'm trying to process with the counselor so I can get this thing off of me. Yes. The problem is people think that, you know, they get used to the, 
to the whining, and then instead of it being a, I'm, I'm processing healthily to get this off of me so I cannot look back in the past and not let the past dictate where I'm going, they want to stay trapped there. That's why Jesus would ask people, do you want to be well? Do you want to be healed? Because you know what? Although the beggar probably isn't super happy, they're used to it. They go out there with their cup. They've figured out enough to survive. Best quote from last Sunday with Dr. Matt, God doesn't want you to go through life. He wants you to grow through life. So I don't whine, I process. And I process with healthy people. Don't process with the person who has the same offense as you. <laughs> That's just throwing a pity party. Pain and, 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 and offense are meant to be doorways into greater levels of freedom and experience and growth. They're not meant to be living rooms. So stand up, get out of that pity party, get out of that situation, get out of the norm. What are you gonna do with the vision of 2024? How's life gonna change? What are you gonna stand up out of? You know what? I'm gonna stop hanging out. I'm a married person and all my friends are single. I'm gonna stop hanging out with all my single ladies because they're not actually helping my marriage. I'm gonna go find some friends that are married. Doesn't mean I can never talk to them again, but I'm gonna find some friends who actually inspire me to have a better marriage. I'm gonna stand up. I'm not gonna be a victim. This applies for any area of life. Stand up, okay? Passiveness, this drives me crazy. What's your dreams for your life this year? What's your vision? Well, brother, I just wrote whatever Jesus wants. I'm praying for you, Ruth. I'm praying for you, Ruth, for rich. <laughs> no. Listen, I understand the sincere heart, but sometimes... We use Christianese to disguise the fact that we're stuck in passiveness. We don't want to dream because the what ifs. What if I'm disappointed? What if I ask God for something and he doesn't answer? And so we put a nice holy bow on a turd, honestly. I'm just going to say it. I said, we put a nice holy bow. What we're really saying is I don't have any dreams. But we're saying all holy, uh, whatever Jesus wants. He said, abide in me and I'll give you the desires of your heart. He's trying to wake your heart up again. He's trying, he wants fellowship, the right hand. Shake hands with me. I put things in you, but I need you to see them. I need you to want them because we're gonna journey this together. The reason that the... You know, everyone said when they got, when the Hebrews got out of slavery in Egypt, they all said, woohoo, we're not slaves anymore. But they, they said, yeah, we want the promised land, but God knew, no, you don't actually, you still think like a slave. You don't have any real desires for freedom. And the second I put you over there and the Philistines come knocking at your door, you're going to say, we're good with being slaves. We're used to it. Better the enemy you know than the enemy you don't. God wants you to stand up. He wants you to break off the what ifs. You know what I found? Lots of people are scared of public speaking. Lots of people. They're not afraid to share what really they care about because everyone likes to share what they care about. They're afraid of the what ifs. What if I mess up? What if I stutter? What if I forget how to speak? <laughs> like people like, I'm worried I'll just shut down. I don't know how to speak, you know? It's, it's the what ifs that keep us out from standing up. What if I dream with God and it doesn't come to pass? Okay, well, what if you, but right now you just shut down a whole part of God made you to be a dreamer. God made you to have a vision. God made you to 
co-labor with him. He's prepared good works, but he can't bring you into the good works if you have no faith and if you don't see it in yourself. So stand up. Don't let the what ifs be dictating what you write on, the, on this. I don't know what I said, but I bet it was funny. Number two. Number two. He says, come here or stand here. So once you stand up, then Jesus says, now come here. He's got a position and a posture for you. Come here. James 4, 7 says this, therefore submit your God or submit to God, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. That's actually not the verse I wanna read, but I just love that verse I'm gonna put in there. Now verse eight, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. And James is so savage. Cleanse your hearts, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. But I wanna focus on the double-minded. Listen, standing up is one thing, but then saying, okay, Jesus is going this way, I'm gonna walk with him. That's where the strength comes to see the vision come to pass. And this isn't just a wish card. This isn't just a penny in a fountain at, a, at the mall. This becomes a thing where you're, you're, you're following Jesus with your life. You've stepped in and said, you know what? I'm actually gonna make this year, yeah, I'm gonna see the dreams and the visions God put in my heart, but in order to do that, I gotta walk with Jesus on the regular. I'm gonna make this the year I start reading my Bible. If you only ate on Wednesday night and Sunday, that's, a, that's like a good Christian. If you only ate every other week on Sunday when the weather's good, of course, this is the bad weather crowd, so great job. But I'm just saying, if you only ate, you'd, why, why am I malnourished? God gave you this word. We're a church that says, read your Bible. You'll start, I don't understand everything. Great. I don't know what everything, I eat a lot of things. I don't know what's in it, but it tastes good and it's good for me sometimes, okay? <laughs> Point is, get that in your life. Get prayer in your life. Go to, go to men's and women's prayer. Be at church. Get in connect group. Do the things. Walk with Jesus. Foster that own relationship. Why? Because his hand is not withered. He's sticking out the good hand. He's saying, I got power. I got provision. I've got fellowship. I have blessing. That's what the right hand represents. You'll find that when you walk with God, your prayers will get more specific. Your prayers will get more potent. My favorite, one of my favorite pastors, Dr. Yongi Cho, had the biggest church in the world, over a million members. He had more people going. This is the people that went through DNA and called it their home church, a million members. He changed the whole country of South Korea. Recently went to be the Lord, but he writes a book called The Fourth Dimension. He talks about when he first started ministry, God called him to the slums and he had nothing. And he prayed, he prayed for three things. He said, God, I need a bike so I can get to more houses and give the gospel. I need a bed because I'm sleeping on the floor of this closet. And I need a desk so I can write sermons. And after months, he didn't get any of the three. And he said, what the heck, God? What's going on? And God, and God told him, you didn't tell me what kind of bike you want. You didn't tell me what kind of desk you want. You didn't say what size bed you want. I'm a God that wants a relationship with you. I want to know the desires of your heart. And you'll find that as you walk with the Lord, faith will begin to rise up in you. What is faith? Faith is the only, the best analogy I can think is pregnancy, although I've never been pregnant, but I've had a wife that's pregnant currently. We aren't holding the baby yet, but we know we have the baby. That's faith. 
I haven't quite held it yet, but I know it's there. I feel it kicking. I feel it moving in me. I don't have the business yet, but I know we're gonna launch this business. I don't have the breakthrough in my marriage yet, but I know I'm gonna, and if you walk with the Lord, you'll begin to see faith rising up in you. Where the things that you wrote today and you're like, oh, I'm crazy. Mid-year, you're like, you know what? I feel it. I feel it. It's in me. That's, that's what happens when you walk with the Lord because the Bible says in Romans that faith come by hearing the word of the Lord. That's why we encourage you, read your Bible. That's why I encourage you to go to connect. That's why I encourage you to go to prayer. That's why we encourage you to be at church. Faith come by hearing. But once you have faith for a thing, you're pregnant with a thing and it's gonna come to pass. The last thing Jesus said, and I hope right now the Holy Spirit's gonna start giving you things right on your card. So if you're not looking at me and you're writing on your card, I'll, I'll allow it. But do hear this part. He tells the man, stretch out your hand. The interesting thing here, the first two things Jesus asked him to do were totally in his strength to do. He doesn't, it doesn't say he had a crippled foot or a crippled leg. So he said, stand up. The guy didn't need a miracle for that. Okay. He says, come over here. As far as we know, he walked fine. So he, he could do that part. Okay, there's parts of the vision that you know you can do. But this last part, Jesus tells him to do something he can't do. Stretch out your hand. Not his arm, because I'm assuming maybe his arm worked. Stretch out your hand. I can't. It's dead. Withered means it's, it's lost all muscle. It's lost all movement. It's, it's, just, it's just a stiff limb. Jesus asked him to do what he can't do. Listen, that's the part of the vision card that's important, is that God wants that extra in your vision because this is meant, as John 15 said, to bring him glory. He brings, the father gets glory by the blessings on the sons and daughters. And so there's that extra, there's that God factor. And here's what I think is so cool and interesting. So in Jewish culture, this having a deformity was assumed that your parents did something wrong and you're cursed. It, it was a real source of shame. And especially your right hand, you couldn't greet people. You couldn't work with your hands. You couldn't do the four things that the hand represented. And so Jesus says, do the thing you can't do. How many times do we lower our vision because we're afraid of exposing the deformity, the crippled? God says, I want you to believe to buy a house this year. Ah, but then I gotta talk about my credit. God says, I want you to believe for a spouse this year. Yeah, but then I gotta deal with my trust issues. I gotta deal with, you know, I'm, there might be some things in me that I gotta work on to make myself a desirable spouse. You know what I mean? Like we gotta deal with some of the stuff that we've been keeping hidden in the stretch, in the stretch you gotta believe that as you're willing to pull that thing out and say, okay, Jesus said it, so I'm gonna do it. That's why we have community. That's why we have connected. That's why we have all these things is because you, we wanna provide a place where you can say, you know what? I'm not gonna hide this weakness anymore, but I'm gonna stretch it out to the Lord and what's happening? I was in the, I'll end with this. I was in a truck stop last night with my boys and I don't have a lot of phobias, but truck stop bathrooms are one of them. They're just terrifying to me. So every time we go in, I'm like, do not touch anything. <laughs> you know, and they're little boys. Like, I remember a couple years ago, we were in one, 
Levi went in the stall and I turned around for one second and Asher's crawling on the floor to see Levi. I'm like, ah! <laughs> so, you know, I'm like, every time we get done, even after I told him not to touch it, I'm like, wa- we were washing your hands. And we were in that truck stop bathroom and, you know, Levi can reach the stuff and reach the spigot. Asher's a little shorter. And he's like this. And the water's about a hand's length away. He can't reach this, the flow. And he's like at this age where I'm like, if I try, no, I'm doing it on my own. I'm like, you, you can't. <laughs> you are not tall enough. <laughs> but he wants to do it on his own. And so here comes dad. And what dad does is his hands are this far from the flow. Dad puts his hand in the flow and like this and creates, gets the flow to his hands. And God just spoke to me last night. I said, that's how I work. I don't want my kids to just write down what they could do in their own diligence. I want that stretch to be at the place where you depend on the Father's hands to say, God, I am reaching for it. I am believing for it, but I do need you to show up. He wants to show himself faithful in your world. He wants to, that's why he told them. That's why he didn't pull the man aside. Listen, are you willing to let your, the vision God put on you? Part of it is he wants it to be a testimony, a spectacle. I don't think that guy with the crippled hand woke up that morning and said, you know what? I'm gonna go check out this Jesus guy. And what I really hope is he pulls me up in front of everyone and then just makes me stand there while he preaches to the Pharisees. And then, you know, I mean, sure, he wanted the miracle, but I don't think he pictured it going that way. Listen, God always doesn't work the way we pictured it, but he wants to show up and show off in your world. That's what he wants. He wants to be Abba Father. That's why he wants on this vision card, something that you are in fellowship with him, you're partnering with him. So now look at your cards. I'm gonna pray these four things over your vision. Can you believe today with throwing out all past maybe religious background, throwing out all discouragement of the past. Can you believe what Numbers eleven twenty three says? God says, is my arm too short? The reason we know what the right hand represents is because God referred to his right hand and all these things. He is in his right hand, his provision, his blessing, his fellowship, and his power. Can we believe this year, 2024, that we are gonna see God's provision, God's power, God's blessing, and we're gonna see it in fellowship with him. That's what I want that vision card to scream. Man, I'm walking with the Lord and I am believing and I'm, this is something that's not gonna be, you know, one and done, stick in the back of my Bible, which I've been guilty of, okay? It's, it's not gonna be, it's gonna be something I'm gonna look at daily and go, okay, God, we're doing this together. And it requires your provision, your power and your blessing. Get specific. But also remember, things outside of partnering with him they kind of waver into that wish thing. You get what I'm saying? It's fine if you want to make millions for the kingdom, but get specific. God, promotion this year, raises this year, starting that business this year. And then with that say, and I'm believing, because you're partnered with him. Because I see people do one of two things, either have really small vision they could easily do on their own, and all it is is just a goal page, or I see people pie in the sky, I was like, what the heck, you know? Like, 
It's not that God couldn't do that, but there's no, there's no this. Whoa. Thank you, Holy Spirit. There's no, there's no hand in hand with the Lord. You just wanted to be a genie. He says, let's do this together. Stand to your feet. It's gonna be a powerful Sunday. I wanna pray over you. And then give, we're gonna give you time. You don't have to come up right away. Sit down. If you're with your spouse, sit down. Write out this vision card. Once you're done, come up here and our team is gonna anoint the card with oil. Okay, just so you know, it's not like this, like the, it's just olive oil. It's not, we didn't get it from the Jordan of an olive tree that's 2,000 years old that Jesus might have set under. It's, it's, we're not making an idol of the oil, but there's power in the oil represents that the Holy Spirit. We're anointing that thing. We're saying, God, make this holy. Anointing means to set it, set it apart, make it holy. And they're gonna pray with you a quick prayer. Say, God, we come in agreement that this, these things are coming forth. Why? Because he said, abide in me, get your word in me, and I'll give you the desires of your hearts. We're doing what God wants us to do. Amen? Amen. Amen. Come on, this is a great Sunday. All right, so that's what you'll do. Write out these things. Now listen, if you get another thing on the way home, the Holy Spirit says you forgot this, you can still write it on. Car's still anointed, but then put that card somewhere where you're walking it out with the Lord, okay? Let me pray for you. God, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that your hand is not too short. And God, when we didn't have a way, when we didn't have the strength, when we couldn't reach the spigot, that is the gospel. You came in and you gave your own hands for us. Your hands took the nails so we didn't have to. That is the definition that God, your mighty hand has always reached out to pull us up. And God, we come before you now, believing that as we, we get a God vision for our life, that as we set this vision set on by you, Lord, and we posture ourselves from a kingdom vision, Lord, that the desires of our heart, we're going to see the supernatural. We're going to see you strong, Lord. We're going to see that your right hand still has power, that your right hand still has provision, that your right hand still has blessing, and that your right hand still has fellowship for us every day, Lord. We thank you for Vision Sunday. We thank you, Lord, that this is the beginning as we step onto this trail, on this path, Lord. We're going to see you show up and show off, Lord. It's your will. It's your power, and we do it because you get the glory. In Jesus' name, and the church said, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.